0: Let us pray. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. This morning's first reading is from the Old Testament. I'm going to be reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 66 and um, verses 1 through 12. Listen for the word of the Lord. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. The word of the Lord.
1: Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. So listen now for the word of God to the church on this Lord's Day. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So most of us have heard that old metaphor of the carrot and the stick. As a motivational principle, my assumption, and I think it's probably a pretty safe one, is that this idiom was first uttered by someone who had experienced the frustration of trying to lead a donkey that didn't want to go anywhere. Do you entice the donkey by dangling a tasty carrot in front of his snout, or would it be more effective to work the other end with a firm stick? People who claim expertise in management often try to combine the two, like the manager in one company who sat an employee down to explain the corporate mentality. Our management style here, he said, is based on empathy and affirmation. We try to care for our employees as people, and if you can't get that through your thick skull, then you have no future here whatsoever. I think it is easy to read this story in Luke as more of an ethical stick than a carrot of enticement. Don't be one of the nine, it seems to say. Don't be someone who lacks gratitude. Don't be one of the ones who cannot be bothered to say thank you. To one who literally gave them their lives back. Don't be someone who makes Jesus wonder, where are they? Seen in this light, the story comes across like a teacher with a ruler in his hand or perhaps even a paddle in the drawer. The main problem with this interpretation is that Jesus does not usually deal in sticks. He did wield a whip once in the Gospel of John. He made it himself and he used it to drive off the money changers who had turned God's house of prayer into a business. But that's the only time Jesus could be said to have picked up a weapon. Jesus doesn't deal in sticks or rulers or paddles. He is much more of a carrot kind of a guy. Although that image woefully understates what Jesus offers. A carrot at best is a momentary and fleeting gift. A few morsels of something good. Jesus invites us into a lifetime of blessing. A wealth of affirmation. He offers to show us the way, to give us the truth, and to imbue us with the life that lives forever. Now, I don't think this is a stick story. And another reason is because those nine others did nothing wrong. Our initial response is to think that they did, but that's not really in the text. The lepers never really get near to Jesus because they knew they weren't supposed to get near to Jesus. They were required to stay away. So they shouted to Jesus from a distance, asking for mercy. And Jesus shouts back to them Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, there were all kinds of things that Leviticus would require them to do to be declared clean under the law. I won't detail the process, but it was onerous. And no one would start that process of sacrificing and bathing and shaving and sacrificing unless they were pretty sure that they were ready and that the end result would, that they would be that they would be made clean or declared clean. So it was actually an amazing act of faith. That on the distant word of a man that they didn't really know, they would dare to go to the priest to be declared healed. And that faith was richly rewarded, for as they went, they were made clean. All ten of them had this faith. All ten of them turned to go. All ten of them turned to go and do what Jesus told them to do. And Jesus never yelled out, and make sure you come back and tell me how it went. Jesus never said, bring back proof that you did everything that the law commanded. All ten of them complied with the basic instructions. All ten of them were healed. And we don't even know if any of them actually ended up doing everything that the law required them to do. We don't even know if they went to the priest at all. All we know is that Jesus gave them instructions and that they turned and began to comply And apparently for Jesus, that was enough. It's not a stick story, but rather an enticement story, an invitation story. It's a divine carrot that leads to an even deeper blessing. And the blessing is this, gratitude brings us close to Jesus. Only one of the ten lepers actually gets near to Jesus in this story. Only one gets spoken a blessing by Jesus. And it is the one who comes back to say thank you. The scripture tells us that he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. The joyful miracle of his liberation, the exuberant acknowledgement of a gift freely given, the irrepressible desire to give thanks to the one who had set them free. All of that combined to bring this unnamed foreigner, this Samaritan, to the feet of the Son of God. And just as Jesus did for the woman who fell at his feet to anoint them and wash them with her hair and her tears, Jesus praises the faith of this man and gives him a blessing that is remarkably similar. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Gratitude brings us close to Jesus. The joy, the blessing, and the peace. Of Jesus. John Killinger, a pastor and professor at Vanderbilt Divinity School, tells a story about a minister he knew in New York City. That minister was going about all kinds of things during the day. He was passing back and forth through the sanctuary. And one of the times that he passed through the sanctuary, he caught out of the uh, corner of his eye a glimpse of an older gentleman sitting in the pews. And he looked over there and he realized he didn't know this man. So he went about his business. The next time he passed through the sanctuary, the man was still there. Half an hour later, he came through again. The man was still there. And then finally, that minister was walking through the narthex, the back of the church, and he actually ended up coming face-to-face with the man as he was leaving. And maybe it was something in the way that the minister kind of looked at him, kind of asking, who are you and why are you here? That the old man hesitated, and he just felt like he should explain himself to the pastor. I used to come to this church many years ago, he said. My wife and I were married here 60 years ago today. She has been dead for eight years now. But I wanted to come back here today to give thanks for everything we had together. It really was a wonderful life pastor said, in all the things that I had to do that day, I almost forgot that man was even there. But as he walked home that night, all he could do was think about him. I realized that's what it's all about, he said, coming back to give thanks. That man was one of God's victories. It was gratitude that brought that man back to Jesus. Jesus. The desire to say thank you pulled him into that church, set him down in that pew, and created a space in his heart so that he could reflect on the many gifts that he had received from God's hand, prominent among them being his loving wife. I have to think that this moment was itself for that man a form of healing as the pain of his loss was transformed into the joy of deep gratitude. And I have to think that man left that church with a much lighter spirit because having come back to Jesus to offer a heartfelt thank you, he was able to get up and go on his way for his faith had made him well. Julian of Norwich learned this lesson the hard way. In the 14th century, the Christian mystic became desperately ill during the time of the Great Plague. She was so sick that the priest was called in to administer the last rites. After they were administered, over the course of an afternoon, Julian had a series of powerful visions. In one of these, she specifically remembers hearing the voice of God The voice was so clear, she said, so strong, so firm, uh, that it seemed as if God must have been hovering right above her. And she was a very brave woman, for in that precious and probably intimidating moment, Julian dared to ask God a question that she had always wanted to ask. I don't know what that would be for you. If you perceived that God was right there talking to you, what question, if you had one to ask, what question would you ask God? For Julian, she wanted to know why people had to suffer. She wanted to know why bad things happen to good people. And when the reply came to her, the voice had changed. It was softer. It was gentler. It was more personal. And she knew that it had to be the voice of Jesus. And notably, Jesus did not answer her question by telling her why. He did not explain why the storms of life exist. Instead, Jesus simply moved over the storm, above it and beyond it. And the voice said this, All shall be well. All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And she was healed that day. And the rest of Julian's life became an extended thank you to Jesus. In her later writings, she would pen these words, True thanking is to enjoy God. Gratitude is a true understanding of who we really are. With reverence and awe, we turn ourselves around toward the work God leads us to do, enjoying and thanking with our real selves. Julian learned as well as anyone ever has the truth that saying thank you brings us as near to Jesus as we ever can be and makes us able to say all shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. Unfortunately for us, it's pretty easy to forget these things. In the busyness of life, in the messiness of life, in the frustrations of life, we can forget that saying thank you brings us closer to Jesus. We can forget that offering gratitude is not just something we should do, but something that can actually make us well. On this particular day, flight attendant Faye Lane had forgotten those things. It was much easier that day for her to remember that people can be horrible. That's what she said, horrible. And they can be really horrible after being cooped up in a plane for a few hours. And she had noticed that that was even more true in the tense days after 9-11, As her flight took off from JFK in late September of 2001, just weeks after the Twin Towers fell, the plane banked around lower Manhattan, and even then they could see that the area was still smoldering. And to her amazement, a man walked by her in that moment, right past her jump seat on the way to the restroom. The fastened seatbelt sign was clearly on. The plane was uh, you know, was ascending, but here he came anyway, and she knew who he was because she had already seen him. She knew it was the guy who had already triggered her a few times, kind of tweaked her pet peeves. First of all, his luggage was a garbage bag. Flight crews hate that. That was strike one. Strike two came when he heaved that hefty bag into one of the overhead bins and closed it and then stood there as people walked past him with his hand on it so nobody else could put anything up there and mess with his stuff. She muttered to herself, those bins are shared space, and it made her mad. But she didn't say anything out loud, but still, definitely strike two. Now, the third and final strike was about to cross the plate. The lavatory was occupied somehow. So here comes this man while the fastened seatbelt light is on, while everybody else is safely in their seats, and he's just standing there waiting to get into the restroom right in front of her. "'Sir, the seatbelt sign is on,' she said. "'I know,' he replied, "'but I've really got to go.'" And she was perturbed, but again, she tried to make the best of it. She figured she might as well make some small talk. That was her job. That was what she was trained to do. Are you traveling for business or for pleasure, she asked. Neither, he answered. I live in California, but I came to New York because my son was a first responder at Ground Zero, and he died there. I came to pick up his uniform." It's all I have left of him. And it's in a bag in that overhead bin right over there. And as a wave of guilt passed over her, she obviously saw it all in a completely different light. And the only words that seemed to matter in that moment came tumbling forth immediately. Thank you. Thank you for the selfless service your son gave on that terrible day. Thank you for the sacrifice that you, as a father, have been forced to accept. Thank you for reminding me of who I am and who I'm called to be. To say thank you and mean it, to feel true gratitude and share it, brings us closer to Jesus, and it makes us well. It is a spiritual discipline that far surpasses lofty words or the best of intentions. And in that regard, there are some thank yous that I want to say today. Thank you, Lord, for fresh breezes and mountain porches, for good friends and honest sharing, for the blessing of friendship in the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for people who crave justice, who help us understand that God is for everyone, that no one is excluded from divine grace, that no one is unworthy of God's love. Thank you, Lord, for Christian activists and workers who inspire us with their courage, who motivate us with their passion, who broaden our scope of vision to include even the most marginalized and lost among us. Thank you, Lord, for faithful and loving colleagues who share with me this work of ministry, who are so generous with their friendship and their support, and who give me hope for the church. Thank you, Lord, for my wife, Stephanie, who stands with me in our search for truth and faithfulness. For my daughters, Molly and Kate, whose love sustains me in ways that leaves me speechless. And for my parents, Harold and Mary Jane, who know my strengths and my flaws as well as anyone, but always stand with me in good times and in bad. And thank you, Lord, for the people of this congregation who seek you first, who know that the church is bigger than they are, and who pray earnestly that your will and not theirs will be done. Ten lepers were healed by Jesus. Only one received an extra blessing. Only one found himself at the feet of the master. Only one was made well, not just in the flesh, but in the spirit. May God give us the gift of gratitude, The ability to say thank you in all kinds of situations, knowing the truth that in Christ Jesus, all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Thank you and amen.